T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Sports Radio 550. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday, hour two underway, the noon hour, spooky hour, right? Is that is that what they call this hour? No. Okay, well, it's spooky hour for me, I guess. What? It's snowing. Isn't it snowing anymore? Am I... No, it's not. You can see the sun. I mean, I can. It's, it's a lake dun- effect. It moved south already. It's a dungeon in here. I don't know what, what to What is going you. on in there? A lot of a lot of negative thoughts. Anyways, Chris Trapasso joining me on the Wester Hotline from CBS Sports. First, Chris, congrats, my friend. Saw you announced today that uh, you signed a, uh, a multi-year extension contract with uh, CBS Sports. And it couldn't happen to a better guy, my friend. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really happy for you. Congrats. Thanks a lot, Nate. And thanks for having me on again. It's great to not just talk about restaurants and wings and different kind of cocktails, but to come on and talk beer. That's that's way that's way more fun. I mean, sports are fun, but the other stuff. I mean, wings and chicken sandwiches <laughs> and beer. That's uh, you make the argument. We we well, listen. We are experts in more than just one field, my friend. Okay, we are uh, we are that's versatile true. gentlemen. We are versatile gentlemen. Um, but I am going to uh, stick in our uh, in our sweet spot, if that's okay with you. We'll talk a little ball here, um, and particularly yeah. start with the Bills offensive line. I know you did a bunch of TikTok breakdowns this week. Uh, really looked at the Bills offensive line. Um, what are your overall thoughts on sort of where they are with Spencer Brown back in the lineup this week, bumping Daryl Williams down to guard. It, it seems to me, anyways, that's kind of the best best case scenario for the right side of their offensive line. But I'm still wondering what you think about the left side. Yeah, I think that is the best scenario for the right side of the line. Uh, I've actually, earlier in the season, was pretty impressed with how Daryl Williams played at right guard once Spencer Brown was inserted into the starting lineup. That Earlier in Darrell Williams' career uh, in Carolina, when he had to play guard, it was kind of a weird fit for him. He wasn't nearly as good as he was at right tackle. Um, so I, I think that side, you're right. It, like When they're both healthy, Spencer Brown, Darrell Williams, that's fine. The left side, it, it's a weak spot of this line. Like Even when John Feliciano is in there, I think uh, that is an area where defensive linemen, defensive coordinators, they're going to target. Uh, in terms of their blitz packages, if they're going to stunt and twist, they're going to try it on that side of the line. Mike Butker is solid, I think, for, especially for being an undrafted free agent. Um, but as a lot of people kind of observed and mentioned throughout the week after that Jaguars game, I don't think the Bills offensive line, especially on that side, is a real p- people-moving offensive line. Yeah. Like, they're not going to move the line of scrimmage two and three yards down the field like the Browns can do and like the Colts can do and the Cowboys when they're healthy. 
So I think Ike Butker is a solid average left guard, uh, and he's developed well as this kind of off-the-draft radar guy from Iowa. But I certainly think that those two positions, the guard spot, but definitely left guard is the weak link up front for the Bills. Yeah, and, and this week, hearing Sean McDermott talk a lot about mm-hmm. wanting to play more physical, um, a more physical brand of football overall, I guess what I want to ask you is, uh, are you in the same mind that I am that I think it would be a mistake for the Bills to try to be a physical dominant team at the line of scrimmage? Because I just don't think that they are. I don't think that's their identity. And particularly this week against a, a New York Jets defense that I know is not good against the run, but they might doubly be as bad against the pass. And, and I think if you're, if I'm Brian Dable and I'm Sean McDermott this week, I'm fine doing the same thing they opened up last season with. Just throw the ball 17 straight times against this defense. I don't think they can stop it, but I think it would be a mistake, and and you might end up seeing a similar result in the first half this week that you did the previous two first halves. If they're going to just try to be a, a, a downhill running attack, and, and we know that Zach Moss just cleared, by the way, concussion protocol, um, what is your, your, your thought process there? Like, If, if they really want to become a team that's dominant on both lines, I'm not sure they have the personnel to do it. No, I don't think they do either, and that that piece of analysis might seem counter to what everyone wanted coming out of that Jacksonville Jaguars game. Like the chorus was run the football, be physical, be downhill. And you're right. That's just not the personnel that this line has. I think when you had Eric Wood and Richie Incognito and Mike Gillisley and Shady McCoy and Mike Gillisley Roman was your offensive coordinator. Yeah. And uh, Greg Roman was your offensive coordinator. I think they had the personnel and the style of an offensive coordinator that fit being that downhill run heavy team. They should come out and throw the football quite a bit. Marcus May, who to me was probably the most underrated player on this Jets team or one of the more underrated safeties in the whole league, uh, was lost for the year just last week. So I think without him patrolling that deep middle, he had a couple of passes that he almost intercepted of Josh Allen last season in their matchup in New York. So I think uh, that's what the Bills should come out and and, and say, look, we're not going to try to change our identity because of two bad first halves. Um, let's come out and throw the football, use play, use play action, get Josh Allen um, out on the run, and try to get back to the efficiency and the high-volume production that this offense had last season and for some stretches earlier in 2021. Let's talk a little bit about that Thursday night football game and uh we'll start we'll start yeah. Let's start with the Dolphins because I think we can probably we could probably spend a full segment talking about the Ravens on the other side of the ball. So let's talk about the Dolphins first. Um I continue to just be I I shouldn't be surprised anymore by the moves that Brian Flores makes, but especially at the quarterback position, but man, going with Tua after not starting him the previous two weeks, then watching Tua go in the game and make a couple of the throws that he made. He he had that deep pass down the down the left sideline on a crossing route to Jalen Waddle, and I don't know how the ball got there, but it did. Um I have been – listen, I think if you want to look at the stats, if you want to look at the picture from more of a 30,000-foot view and an overview of Tua Tungavaiola's stats, they don't wow you, but they're not also like, oh, my God, this is the worst quarterback I've ever seen. But I think, to me, I keep going back to this, the eye test with Tua. It just doesn't look – I don't know. You want, to, you want to try to finish that for me? It doesn't look blank. It doesn't look like he has a future as a franchise quarterback in the NFL. I think he could be have a stretch four to six games, maybe on the Dolphins, maybe on another team where he looks competent. But 
to me, it almost feels like, and I've watched every single one of Tua Tungavailoa's throws this season for CBS Sports. I do a, a grade of the all the first and second year quarterbacks, and I think his arm strength has like regressed. Yeah, I don't know. I agree. I agree. I don't know if it's the hip injury, any of these little dings that he's had this year. I just think if you're looking around the league and, and not just Bills fans watching some of the ridiculous throws that Josh Allen even made last week uh, in the loss and almost every week, but Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes, uh, th- there's so many quarterbacks today, and we've said it over and over again, that can make throws outside of structure, but then also whistle the ball in there through tight coverage against zone where everyone's watching you, that all the eyes are on the quarterback all planting and driving on the football on an in-breaking route or a comeback. Tua just does not have the ability to do that. I think Jacoby Brissett in the short term gives the Dolphins a better chance to win because he has a much stronger arm. I don't think he's uh, any less athletic than Tua. And to have a couple or one broken play down the field on that throw to Albert Wilson down the left sideline really buoyed his stats, like you mentioned, against the Ravens. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, for as much as Brian Flores did a great job really just blitzing repeatedly Lamar Jackson with a bunch of zone looks, safeties, corners coming from all different directions, how he's handled the quarterback position has been really head-scratching. Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports, joining me here on the West Herd Hotline, talking some, some NFL storylines on top of uh, just the AFC, the Bills, and this matchup on Sunday against the New York Jets. And, and, and flipping sides here and, and looking at the other side here, the now 6-3 and three Baltimore Ravens, a win away from having and being tied for the best record in the AFC. What sort of warts do you see existing on this Baltimore Ravens team? And, and, and how much is Lamar Jackson really covering up on that team? He's covering up a lot with his legs, and I think we've all gotten to the point where no one thinks Lamar Jackson's a running back anymore. So when people tweet that out, I think they're just kind of screaming into the void. Like, no one believes that he's like a bottom-tier quarterback. But, and the one narrative that has kind of arisen this season is that for as improved, for as as better as he is as a passer this season, his stats are better, they're throwing the ball more, he's connected on more deep throws, it's obvious that he's not quite as talented of a passer as the likes of Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert in the AFC. I think he's pretty accurate, the arm strength is pretty good, he can make some improvisational throws, processing the coverage reading abilities, and at times he tries to overextend and throws across his body, just like Josh Allen does, just like Patrick Mahomes does, and Justin Herbert. So I think he covers up a lot because he can always take off and run, so when they do see those two high safety looks that are not very conducive to hitting the deep shot down the field, uh, they can either get him in the design run game or just let him scramble. But in terms of defensively, uh, it's a team that is so predicated on the blitz. And we've seen, like, Justin Herbert had a, a tough game against the Ravens. The Patriots blitzed Justin Herbert quite a bit. Uh, Jordan Love got blitzed a lot by the Chiefs. It almost seems like, hey, if you want to shut down one of these young quarterbacks, just blitz them. But if you don't have the coverage ability on the back end, and they're obviously not playing with Marcus Peters, uh, I think that's when you can get into problems. So, there will be games where the Ravens' defense looks dominant and then games where Jacoby Brissett and Tua Tungavailoa can move the ball up and down the field on them. So that's the real problem with this team. I think the offense should, will be fine, but the defense is very boomer bust. Yeah, and, and and I'm glad you brought up zero blitz and and – 
listen, I mean, just like the Ravens, I think offense got a taste of a little bit of their own medicine um, yep. on Thursday night watching the Miami Dolphins. By the way, Chris, not do things that like that's not like we haven't watched them do. That is how that defense lives and dies. And, and I do find it interesting, and I'm not sure if I've seen the report yet or not, Chris, but it certainly looked like Brian Flores had a play sheet in his hand and that like maybe he had really started taking over the play calling on the defensive side of the ball. They blitzed more defensive backs um, than they have all season long but that's that's how that defense operates it's how they try to operate against Josh Allen I guess I'm wondering whose fault is it um in your mind is this a Greg Roman thing is this a John Harbaugh thing is it a Lamar Jackson thing like that's not like something that they ran for the first time the Dolphins against the Ravens they just had zero answers for their zero blitz yeah that's a great point I I would put it on the head coach I mean for as well respected as John Harbaugh is he's had that job for like 13 years they're perennially a playoff contender of course uh, yeah, you have to go into a game against the Dolphins and say, all right, they're going to play press man coverage on the outside with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. They're going to blitz their safeties, their slot corners quite a bit. They're just going to be super aggressive, and if you beat them, then you beat them. And if not, uh, you might only score three points until the fourth quarter like the Ravens did. So, And that kind of spitting it to the Bills, I think – Right now, there's probably some Bills fans that are a, a little leery, like the Bills don't have a marquee win, the offense has been sputtering a little bit, and certainly the Jaguars game, you throw that and you flush it down the toilet. But the week before, to score 26 points and almost 28 points by if they would have converted that two-point conversion late against a, a fully healthy Dolphin secondary uh, is no easy task. And I think we'll see down the stretch um, as the Dolphins continue their season with Byron Jones, and Xavier Howard, and maybe Brian Flores calling the plays and being even more aggressive and cranking up the intensity on that side of the ball. It's a pretty good Dolphins defense, really the the stout defense that we expected coming into the season. I want to talk to you a little bit, Chris, about the matchup this week between the Browns Mm -hmm. and Patriots. I think that might really be like... One of the prime matchups this week. No Nick mm-hmm. Chubb for Cleveland. They already don't have Kareem Hunt. What chances are you giving Cleveland in this game against Bill Belichick and the Patriots? Particularly because, uh, Chris, I, I do think the Patriots' defense is starting to play better and better as the season goes along. We know Mac Jones is getting better. I'll make this a two-part question. Who do you like in that game and why, c- considering the fact that Baker Mayfield's probably going to be asked to to carry the burden here for the Browns offense. Can he do that? And and secondly, your your thoughts on Mac Jones's progression throughout the the guy that we saw in the first couple weeks of the season to now. Yeah, I, I like the Patriots because the Browns are, I think, one of the toughest teams to beat in the NFL when early in the game their ground game is working. And I think Bill Belichick, I kind of liken it to facing Nick Saban and Alabama. Of course, there's not as much of a talent advantage as what the Crimson Tide have, but if you're coming into a matchup with Bill Belichick's defense and you're going to say, hey, we're going to try to run it 35 times and, and we're going to hope to run for 200-plus yards, especially without our star running back, I just don't think that's in the cards for you to be very successful offensively. And, and I do think Baker Mayfield – is more at ease without Odell Beckham Jr. on the field. It's similar to his Oklahoma offense where he spread the football around to all of his talent. Um, but because they have to be able to run the football well to be uh, you know, a, a successful team to win that game, that should be kind of a uh, grudge match a little bit. I, I think the Patriots have a little bit of an advantage. And as for Mac Jones, I've watched all of his throws this season. I, I have not seen 
and I'll kind of give a, a two-part answer. I have not seen a, a rookie quarterback that is as good as Mac Jones at knowing where he needs to throw the football from before the snap to after the snap, quickly checking it down, getting it to the uh, flats on swing passes, on the little flare-outs from the tight ends that are in line. However, I don't know if I've ever seen a first-round quarterback who is less aggressive than Mac Jones. And every week when I'm grading for CBS Sports for that article on Tuesday, there's a best throw and a worst throw section that I have. And it's hard to find either for Mac Jones. Like every throw, I feel like Nate Deary could step back Ooh. there and complete these passes okay. uh, into the flat, screens, uh, tunnel screens to receivers, checking it down, just taking a profit on every down. I haven't seen him maybe outside of that long throw against the Cowboys uh, in that wild game where it, it was kind of a last-ditch effort to hit a big play. That's really it outside of two or three or four more throws from him. It is a very dink-and-dunk offense. If he gets moved off of his spot whatsoever, things get kind of ugly because he's not very athletic. But I think the mental processing and the accuracy from, like, zero to five to ten yards are pretty good. Uh, I want to go to another young quarterback with you, Chris, and that's Justin Fields. Uh, really impressed with what I saw from him uh, on Monday night against Pittsburgh, against a very, very good defense. Uh, I guess the question that you have to start to ask with these young quarterbacks is what the value of playing right away is. And I think, you know, if you're if if you're Chicago, you're probably thinking a little you were a little validated in his first couple of starts because he just did not really look like he should have been on the field yet. Yet he's probably not looking as good as he has over the last two weeks without those experiences, without those scars. Uh, what have you seen from Justin Fields um, that you really like so far this year? And if you're, let's say, a fantasy owner of Cole Komet, how much do you tell, how much stock are you putting in that performance um, on Monday night? And, and, and is that a rapport between him and uh, between him and Fields that you could really see flourishing? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, a lot of those big throws, there was a, a seam throw to Cole Komet uh, in the second half as the Bears tried to mount that comeback against the Steelers that I think was the best throw that I've seen from any first or second year quarterback, and that's including Justin Herbert this season. It was like just over the underneath linebacker that was chasing that seam route, and it didn't have too much air under it to lead Cole Komet into the safety at the deep middle. It was thrown with a lot of velocity. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm super grateful that I get to watch all of these first- and second-year quarterbacks every week because you could kind of feel this coming. Every week there was one or two or three more big-time throws from Justin Fields or a pass where you could tell he made with some anticipation or a little bit quicker than the week before. And that's to jump from Mac Jones to Justin Fields. I think right now the Patriots are happy with Mac Jones. They've won a bunch of games in a row. They're 5-4. and four. But long-term, the Bears should be more excited because eventually you're going to have to make those critical throws. You can't just check it down, use this, the screen game, use the RPO game like the Patriots have used so much. And, yes, I think Cole Komet being as big of a target as he is, quietly pieced together a good rookie season last year, and I think he's becoming that security blanket on, on the short throws from Justin Fields, but also has shown his ability like he did at Notre Dame to stretch the seam vertically, and that opens up things for Darnell Mooney, 
for mm-hmm. Allen Robinson and the rest of that offense. What do you make of Allen Robinson? Because he just has not been able to get it going this year, a contract year for Robinson. Like, what are his prospects for the rest of the season? As this offense opens up, do you see him maybe taking the step that I think I know a lot of fans have been waiting to see? Because he really is, he's the alpha dog in that offense, and he just has not had a level of success I think a lot of people thought. Regardless of who the quarterback was, at least he's a guy that you could throw to in a pinch, and they just, not, neither, not, neither of the quarterbacks have done it. Yeah, no, that's true. But I think we are going to see more of normal Allen Robinson down the stretch um, just because of what Justin Fields has done in terms of improvement and, like I mentioned, the big-time throw ability. That, that Allen Robinson is great in those contested catch situations. What I really like from Justin Fields that I really haven't seen from any of, their, any of the other rookie quarterbacks, he's not afraid to throw the ball into a tight window and let Cole Komet high point the football or throw a back shoulder to Allen Robinson that might that might look a little bit daunting when he's releasing the ball, but it's just giving his rebounding wide receiver a chance to make a play on the football. And I like the fact that in Chicago, I mean, yes, they're three and five. They're kind of struggling uh, in the NFC that certainly does not have as much parity as the AFC, that it's not an offense that features one wide receiver getting 15 targets a game. So I think we might not see Allen Robinson when he was on the Jaguars or earlier in his career when he was that alpha receiver, but because they want to spread it around when you face the Bears, you can't just zero in on him. There's Darnell Mooney, there's the running backs out of the backfield, there's Cole Komet, there's Jimmy Graham. So I, I think we'll see more normal Allen Robinson, and that will help him get decent money on the open market in March. Uh, last thing for you here, Chris. Mike White. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to get the start tomorrow against the Bills. I asked this to Mike Catalana. I want to ask you, too. What kind of tightrope, if you're Robert Sala, are you walking here? Because, listen, 400 yards, I know a lot of it has dink and dunk, and we, we saw uh, Michael yeah. Carter get 14 targets um, two <laughs> weeks ago against the Bengals. Like, I guess I want to keep in context who the fan base is, what the city is like, the pressures that exist playing in New York City in that market. And, like, you have a rookie quarterback who has yet to put together a really strong regular season game. And is there, are you, like, at all worried that Mike White has the confidence, he's got the tools? Like, what if he goes out there for the rest of the season and, and, and puts up numbers that makes it hard to get to get Zach Wilson back on the field? Yeah, I tweeted after the 400-yard game. I just sent out a tweet to just my followers on Twitter, and I said, what if Mike White comes out and throws for 300-plus yards in that Thursday night football game against the Colts? What do you do? And I, in, in that tweet, I kind of answered my own question and said, I think once Zach Wilson is healthy, you have to start him because he's the number two overall pick. You were fully sold on him. Surprisingly, a lot of Jets fans that follow me were like, "No, it's all about Mike White. Like, ride the hot hand as long as possible." And I agree with your in, like with your insinuation that I think it would get to be a little bit of a slippery slope and a little dangerous that uh, Mike White, a mid-round pick from Western Kentucky, could be your starting quarterback, and then ultimately, if he falls off a little bit, and then Zach Wilson plays well, what do you do with him? So certainly for a franchise in the Jets that has been searching for their franchise quarterback for a very, very long time, I understand if they try to ride Mike White out, but there are some ramifications into the future um, in terms of how your quarterback situation gets handled. All right, quickly, I want to go to the college game because I'm watching some some Caleb Wilson right now. Um, 
or I'm sorry, uh, Caleb Williams from uh, from Oklahoma. And I'm I'm interested in your thoughts on Spencer Rattler because he was sort of like one of the top names going into the draft season this year or yeah. going into the regular season. And not only is he no longer there, um, he's not even playing uh, or, start, you know, like at least there was a, a committee approach when Williams sort of came in and started started inspiring that offense in Oklahoma. And now it's it's all Williams. Where do you see Spencer Rattler moving on to this offseason? Um, like, do you believe there's a program that, that he might be able to reignite some of the, the chatter that the NFL was having um, going into the season? Absolutely, and it's near and dear to your heart, Nate. He should transfer to Notre Dame. Absolutely. I, I, I didn't even lead you into that either, buddy. I, I really wanted a, that. That is a no-brainer, that, that they've been open to bringing in quarterbacks uh, via the transfer portal. He would have all of his games on, MB, on NBC. The schedule isn't incredibly difficult. Not that it's that hard in the Big 12, especially with given the defenses that you face when you're Oklahoma uh, in the Big 12. That's where he should go. Uh, to rehab what you're right was he was the consensus guy to be the number one overall pick and now he's on the bench and did not play very well in September he should transfer to Notre Dame uh, play one season I think he could help that program that has good pieces up front have you know good players on the defensive side at running back at receiver they need a dynamic quarterback I think Spencer Rattler to Notre Dame would make so much sense. It'd be awesome for college football too. Yes, it would, and I think it would be awesome for Michael Mayer and um, you know getting to see him play with a big time talent. Um, and and that offense has has some pieces in a young offensive line. So yeah, I I'm with you 100 percent on that. I just I, I wanted to, I didn't want to be the only one that sounded crazy suggesting <laughs> it. So I'm glad I'm glad I didn't have to lead you to it. Yeah, it it just makes too much sense. It would be good for all parties involved. Chris, I appreciate you, brother. Congrats again, and thanks for joining me. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll be chatting soon, my friend. All right, Nate. Thanks a lot. All right, buddy. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.